This message is made available by the partners and friends of Breakthrough Miracle Life. Catch our live broadcast every Wednesday and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and on internet radio at mixlr.com forward slash B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U. Luke chapter 5, from verse 1 to verse 11. I am going to read from the NLT because it's the easier version for most of us to use. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat. Somebody say he sat in the boat. Somebody say he sat in the boat. It belonged to Simon. And taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was off, he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. It's a very common passage of scripture. Let's switch to the King James. And then I want us to look at another passage of scripture. We're going to switch to the King James and we're going to look at John chapter 21 verses 1 to 14. If you're holding a physical Bible, put your thumb or put a bookmark at Luke 5 chapters verses 1 to 11 and flip over to John. We are going to switch to the King James. Many times some of us who read these scriptures. John 21. Who read these scriptures in the King James or in the NIV? You sort of get stuck. Certain versions. This is the epilogue to the Gospel of John. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Nathaniel. This is NLT. Let's switch to KJV. Just bear with me for a second. There we go. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And And there on this wise he showed himself. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus. 
and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of, and two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go to fish. They say unto him, We will also go with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Praise the Lord. Two stories about these disciples entering the water to try and catch fish. And on both occasions they catch the whole night. When the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciples whom, the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he got his fishers, he got his fishers caught unto him, for he was naked, and it cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were, two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have, which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty-three. And for all, there were so many, yet not was the net broken. Maybe it would have been easier for many people if we had read the empty. The basic story as you know it is that this second time Jesus appears again to the disciples. This was I think the third time he appears after the resurrection. But they don't know it is him. He is standing by the seashore and he says to them, He's given up. He's waiting for the Lord and he's decided I'm going back fishing. I'm going back to the place of my comfort and the things I'm familiar with. And they fish all night and they catch nothing. And the Lord comes to them and says, Cast your net on the right side of the boat. And then they have a net breaking boat sinking harvest. This time it's different. The net isn't breaking. They don't call neighbors. And the number of the fish in the net is disclosed. 153 fish. And when they see him, the Bible says, one of them, not a single one of them, doubted it was the Lord. Sound. Why, why do we have feedback? Benz. What's happening? Praise the Lord. Ten lessons about nights of failure, days of frustration, and mornings of intimacy. Nights of failure, days of frustration, and mornings of intimacy. This is probably the one time that I am. Ronnie, what's, what's happening with this sound? Are we okay now? Nights of failure, days of frustration, mornings of intimacy. What do we learn from these two stories? They look almost identical, but they are fundamentally different. They happen at different seasons in the disciples' lives. 
One is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The other is towards the end. It's In fact, in many versions, it's called the epilogue of the Gospel of John. It is just before Jesus turns to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, do you love me? On one occasion, there is a crowd. The people know that Christ is around. They know he is a fantastic teacher. And they want to hear him teach. And they come so many, and he looks around, he sees two boats. Of the two boats, it's the boat that belongs to Simon Peter. Turn to your neighbor and say, God does not make mistakes. He does not encounter accidents. Our God is so intentional, our God is so deliberate, there are no mistakes in him, there are no accidents in God. Don't you ever forget that. No matter what you are going through, God does not encounter accidents. Nothing in the universe, in every universe, known and unknown, will ever surprise him. And so when he sees two boats, he doesn't stumble into the nearest he can find. No. He walks very carefully and gets into Simon Peter's boat. Lesson number one. The Lord longs to interfere in our fruitless endeavors. That's really what I came to say. If you have been going through life feeling that I'm a bit frustrated, wondering when is my turn around coming, how do I know it's time to move to the next season, I came to tell you Jesus wants to intervene. He cares about fruitless endeavors and he wants to put an end to that business, to that season of your life. In the Old Testament, he lets them wander around the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they have not received the circumcision of the heart. And he lets them learn the lessons. In fact, the so Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 10, all those things they went through, they went through that we might learn. We learn by the scripture such that we do not learn by experience. He has given us the whole counsel of God to spare us nights of failure, days of frustration, and to build us and to bring us to mornings of intimacy. If we can discover that secret, that between the nights of failure and the days of frustration, we can resolve the conundrum by focusing on mornings of intimacy. Be intimate with God and I assure you, you will always see that way which seems rare. Lesson number one, settle it in your heart that God is on your side. Don't just hear it. Don't just repeat the Lord. David said, my enemies would have consumed me if the Lord had not been on my side. Now, after 13 years of fleeing from Saul and a lifetime of battle, that man qualified to write, the Lord, Let Israel say, if God had not been on our side, our enemies would have consumed us. When the Philistines heard that David had ascended the throne, they decided to attack. Just because David had ascended the throne. No, it's because they never ever got over his slaying of Goliath. Thirteen years had passed. And they were not willing to let it go. The devil isn't your friend. 
He has one mission. More like three in one. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he came to do. And if he can kill your joy, he has attacked the kingdom of God in you. Why? Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If any one of those three is attacked, you will stop to have fun. But what has the prophet said? In Isaiah the Bible says, With joy, we draw from the wells of salvation. If the enemy can tinker with your joy, he can tinker with your drawing. He can tinker with your progress. The Bible says one of my favorite scriptures, well, I love all of them, even the ones that rebuke me. But this one I love especially dearly because for me it's a compass. The path of the just is like a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. The standard of God's will for your life is that everything is aligned unto the perfection of the brightness of day. Why? Because in Him there is light and there is no shadow of turning from within. The Bible says every good, every perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. God is light. This is why when he is talking about the nature of the things in your life, he equates it to the noonday sun, the perfect day. And if you are not getting there, or if you are not resting in the joys of salvation, the problem is not in heaven. But I came to give you ten ways to guide yourself from the nights of frustration, the days of failure, and dwelling daily and constantly in the mornings of intimacy. Number one, settle it in your heart. God is on your side and God wants to intervene on your behalf. It's easy for us to fall away. Why? Because we go and wallow in sin. Why do we end up there? Because we took our eyes off the Savior. Every time they were looking at the brazen serpent, they were not dying. The moment they looked away, they began to struggle. That is a foretaste, that is a shadow of the things that are to come. You want to live a simple life in salvation? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews, what has the Bible said? Now therefore, let us do what? You lay aside the weight. And then you will be able to joyfully and easily fix your eyes on Jesus. Because after all, he is the author. He is the finisher. Meaning he originated the faith and he will guide you through it. Without him, you can do nothing. One of the snares you can fall into in the Bible is loving every part of the Bible except the, the, the four Gospels. Don't you dare. Because everything in the Bible is about one thing. Showing you Christ. On the road to a mouse, the Bible says, and beginning from Moses, i.e. Genesis, he told them about Jesus. When you read that verse in Mark, when it says, and beginning from Moses, you must remember, Moses wrote five books. In other words, every book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, 
Every single book. Numbers. There's only one goal. To reveal Jesus to you. We struggle because nobody has told us stop for a moment and encounter the man. To Simon Peter it seems insignificant that the master has entered his boat. The same way believer walks around with Christ in his heart and struggles in every situation. Figuring it out when you can stop for a moment and just say, help me, Holy Ghost. When you encounter the waves of life, what do you do? Convene a meeting of your girlfriends and talk about it? Or turn for a little while behind closed doors and say, Meru, zika, karela, dasukene, zatela bina, Jacob is on his way back after many years of, of turmoil and travail. And they tell him, What do you say? I stole the guy's blessing. Now the man has an army. And I believe it was out of fear that he says, You know what? Eh? I'm running from disaster. I am going to encounter more disaster. Let me. He turns to his wife and says, you, you, you guys go, I'll catch up. He turns and finds a rock. It just so happens that that place Abraham had built an altar there. He puts his head on the rock and I can literally hear this patriarch of our faith groaning and saying, Oh God, when will I ever find rest? And that night, the Lord appears to him in a dream and he sees angels ascending, taking prayers, descending, bringing answers, taking prayers, bringing answers. And when he, he says, Lord is here. And I knew it not. Jesus had been in the boat and that made all the difference. It didn't matter. Notice this. The size of the boat did not matter to the Lord. The moment he gave his instruction, go to a place deeper. Drop your nets. The quotable preachers like to call a net-breaking, boat-sinking harvest. So great was the harvest that it was sinking two boats. And they had been there washing their nets after a night of frustration. Those of you who are not familiar with fishing, the best time to catch fish is between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. That's when fishermen are at the, at, at the lake. Am I lying? We have a fisherwoman in our midst. Praise the Lord. The best time to catch fish is in the dead of the night. Now these experienced fishermen are frustrated. Master, we have labored all night. You're wondering, I've been at this job for like five years, but eh, others get promoted, I am stuck. Now when people are testifying about how they get jobs miraculously, me mind doesn't come. When was the last time you paused for a moment and just said to the Lord, I know you want to intervene on my behalf. Let's talk about which boat you want to sit in. Do you have these questions with the Lord? 
it was not enough that he had finished preaching. Jesus had come to preach. That's what brought him to that shore. When he was done preaching, he turned to these men before they even asked him. And he said, get back in the boat. Notice this. It is not their regular time to fish. But he says to them, get back in the boat. Go to a slightly deeper place and cast your net. God is more than happy to interrupt your routine for your benefit. But are you listening? You know, you read the Gospels, you must learn to read them for fun. They are walking, minding their business. You know, Peter was a really cheeky fellow. He turns and says, Master, see this tree? It has no fruit. The Bible says, it was not the season to bear fruit. But the Lord turns to the tree and says, You tree, hereafter forever, no one shall eat fruit from you. And the tree died. The sentiments in Peter's heart matter to the Lord so much that he was willing to pause for a moment and indulge Peter in his curiosities. That is how much you matter to God. He will finish his business, turn to yours and tell you, you know what? Maybe you are giving up a passage I like is in Song of Solomon. I believe it's chapter 5. The lover says, Man, I heard the footsteps of my lover. He came. He knocked at the door. Then I said, ah, But I have already washed my feet. Shall I wake up and go and open? That is how you be when you are being prayerless. The Bible says, When I eventually woke up, I went and opened. The doorknob was dripping with the man's perfume. I ran in the streets all over and I could not find him. One of the reasons why you are struggling where you are is that you have not yet learned to catch the season and the waves when the master is passing by. And sometimes, by the way, the Lord is passing by to say hi. But there is nothing more precious than the times when the Lord will step in and you are not even waiting. I preached a message on 31st. That the Lord gave me, and by the way, me, I'm living testimony. Apostle Raymond knows my story. When I got the word, I said, I'm going to act on this word. I am standing in faith. I set a savings target. By the, by the middle of this month, I had hit more than double my target. Katonda. Taiwa. But when that word came to me, I was driving at 10 in the night. And the Lord began to speak. And I wanted to pull over. But I was in a place where I couldn't park. And the word just kept coming. He turned to them and said, Get back in the boat. You want to end the nights of drought? Learn to get back in the boat. Listen to the master. Now you can't hear him. If you are not being intimate. Number two, stand out from the crowd. Find a personal faith. One of the greatest tragedies of the church today is that everyone believes they can survive on a communal faith. You were not called to believe through your pastor. That's what you left in the Catholic church. 
This thing is personal. The pace at which you move will depend on the pace at which you hunger. The NIV translates a verse and says, A laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. Now the KTV has a different rendering. A laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. How badly do you want it? When Jesus said to Peter, Get into a deeper place. Peter didn't say, But Lord, it is late. He said, You have said, Okay. The call wasn't just to drop the net on the other side. The first call is to go deeper. Build your relationship with Christ. You know what? He taught a crowd, but he ministered to the disciples. You understand the difference? He came and he preached to a whole crowd. And they all had the message, including the guys who caught the fish. But the ones who caught the fish, he singled them out. He said, you, get back in the boat. There is a place where instruction will only come to you and you alone. Some journeys, God has called you to walk alone. Not even your pastor. They love you deeply. I am telling you, I know it. But there are places they will not go with you. And the sooner you get that, the easier it will for you to understand how to shift gears and change seasons. There is a place for communion. There is a place for fellowship. In fact, the Bible says, do not give up the habit of meeting together. But growing is individual. You better figure out how to relate with this God. Don't try to do it my way or Nalongo's way. Do it your way. Because you know what I have learned? The shepherd is so loving that he gives each of us our own journey. Jesus is so patient with you that he will lead you in those pastures that are green for you. There are things which even if you sit me down and talk to me about for five hours, Zichiwulira, demonology, Eosiri Yo. There are those who God has called in the ministry of deliverance. They can sit and talk about demonology for 12 hours. Now me, you call me and say, let's talk about intimacy with the Holy Ghost. I will even cancel a meeting. You want me to preach a sermon to you, just wake me up and say, tell me about prayer. But you better be ready for practicals. I am happy to talk about prayer at any time. But you better be ready for. Prayer is one of those subjects that you just don't preach about. You must engage in practicals. Number one, settle it in your heart. God is on your side. He wants to intervene. He had been in the boat. God is committed to your success. But are you doing your part? God is under no obligation to keep his part of the bargain until you've kept yours. Number two, stand out from the crowd. He preached to the crowd. But he instructed a few. 
Number three, listen very carefully. This one I've already said. Follow the instruction and it will bring you distinction. One instruction from God can save you years of labor. One instruction. One from God. You you obey. Listen carefully. In both encounters, Jesus turns to them and gives an instruction. Go to a deeper place. Cast your net on the right side. Have you read the verse that says, He watches over His word to perform it? He makes sure that no word shall return to Him void? You think that's a joke? No. But you have to understand. When we say listen to the Lord, we are saying number one, catch the logos. We prophets suffer. Someone finds and says, what is the Lord saying? I am not a microphone. Rema will not make sense to you if you are not pumped up on the Logos, the written word of God. You will never catch revelation until you are settled in the written word of God. Do you know how exciting it is to be minding your business and the revelation just hits you about the scripture that you haven't read in a while? Have you, who has encountered it? You, you feel like, man, what a joy. Now it makes sense. The other day I was talking to someone who had come to see me and I explained the mystery. Shall plunder be taken from the mighty? And she, I know her, I've known her for 21 years and she knew this scripture really well. But it clicked when we were talking. Said, That's what it means. Maybe I should detour there. Shall plunder be taken from the mighty? Will the, law, will the lawful captive be set free? In Jaganyam Luganda, Omunyago, Gulijiwakuba Mani, Eraba and Bolensonga, Baritebua, Ye, Bwati Wagera Katunda Maje, Ye, Omunyago, Gulijiwakuba Mani, Eranaba Mosonga Baritebua, Niomanga Naba Yomba Namu, Eranaba Nawandiba Muzang. The captivity is lawful, but God will intervene. Even then, you go and sin and you indulge yourself, and God says, For the sake of my covenant, I will intervene. Of course, what that does is it brings you to Psalm 103. That you pause for a moment and you watch the beauty of God. And you say, Surely, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sin from us. What that does is it brings the fear of the Lord in your heart. If the love of God doesn't cause you to run from sin, you haven't discovered it yet. I see time is moving and I'm on number four. So let me speed up. Number five. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Because you have said so, 
That's what Jesus said. That's what Peter said. Believing without obeying is pointless. God is not idle. He doesn't speak because he's idle. And also God is not a gossip. The Bible says where the word of the king is, there is what? I have never met one powerful person who wastes their power. They use it sparing. When God gives you an instruction, you want to progress, obey. Here is a simple trick for you to grow in the faith. Quicken your pace of obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is what? As the sin of witchcraft. You want to grow in the faith faster than your neighbor? Hear a word, obey it immediately. One person I know who does that really well is Pastor Noah. When God says so, he shoots first aims later. He sows his seed, then he says, neighbor is the way. And in the years I have known him, all of 21 years, I have never met him and he said, I sowed the seed and I didn't see a harvest. Never. 21 years. But some of you, we come here, we even bring Chiboko to make you give. Then you come and say, let me go. Mpolaya weta. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Notice this. When the years of infancy are over, when he shows up again and he says, cast your net on the other side. And they catch up on who is telling them to do it. They obey instantly. In both encounters, by the way. They obey instantly. The difference is this. This time he stays a little while longer. And he converses with them. Because they have grown. He sees that their obedience is consistent. In the beginning and in the end of his ministry. When he says, now you will catch men. They follow. I believe Peter was more than 40 years old. He abandoned his ministry. To follow a guy who had no home. Let me tell you, I don't know if you ever sit to imagine the gospel. It's a strange thing. A 33, a 30-year-old chap shows up, finds these men who are older than him, and he says, you, follow me. And they follow. That's why Peter somebody says, Yes, what Don't worry. Hundredfold. Here on earth. And there above. But you know what? Now I'm getting ahead of myself. Here is a question, number six. What is the size of your boat? Because Christ is determined to intervene. Whether your boat is small or big, he will sit in the boat. What is the size of your boat? 
You're praying, fine. Do you have any idea the magnitude of what you are praying for? Because if you knew how serious God is with regard to what He wants to release to you, you would pray different. One of the things I have come to learn about this God in 26 years of salvation is that God is extravagant. There were two boats. Obviously, these were very small boats. In one catch, one like this, they caught enough to fill two boats. Go to the scripture in John 21. They even tell you the number of fish were 153. Now, the average size of your fishes is how big? 900 grams. Just short of a kilo. So if you compute using Yalelo statistics, these guys had 153 kilos of fish. That's just one and a half bags of coffee. In terms of visualizing it. That tells you how small their boat was. Now, I have good news for you. Because even in the smallness of their boats, the law was determined to intervene. Even in the smallness of your faith, I hope this unsettles you to want to pray deeper. The law wants more for you than you are settling for. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The heart of God is beating for something deeper for you. Something greater, something more beautiful. You are settling on the shores when indeed all he is saying is go a little deeper. Pray a while longer. Believe. Don't give up just yet. When he intervenes the second time, the Bible says the nets did not break. Every detail is important. The net was not breaking. They were now prepared to withstand the things that God had for them. And yet he says to them before he goes, tarry in Jerusalem. Why? Because even after seeing him, they were still not yet, they were not catching it. And he says to them, tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost comes. They had worked miracles. And he said to them, tarry a little more. Stop settling for where you are. God has invested a lot more in you than you are settling for. Stop settling where you are. Thank God you can pray for an hour and make it four. Thank God you gave a million shillings yesterday. Believe to give a billion. Thank God you have a job that pays you 10 million. Believe for $10,000. Thank God you have a house. Believe God for five. Why? Because blessed be God who delights in the prosperity of his servant. 
But if you are settling in the contentment of your wealth, remember this. None of those passages ends with them eating fish. Each of those encounters ends with a deeper call. He says, don't worry. From today onwards, you will catch men. I guarantee you, fish is easier to catch than the hearts of men. But the Bible says, he that wins a soul, not even 10,000, he that wins one soul is wise. And he will shine like a star. The heart of God is his people. Do you understand? The heart of God is his people. But you cannot fix others when you yourself haven't understood the ways of God. You will never understand the ways of God until you are content in the word of God. Because the word is God. The word was God. The word is God. It is eternal. It is unchanging. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It does not fail. And you can't know this thing through the pastor or the prophet. You've got to sit with the scroll. You've got to invest time in that word. I guarantee you it makes the difference. Why? Because Christ is alive in the pages of that word. One day I was watching Billy Graham. Many years ago. Maybe 17, 18 years ago. And he said there was a season in his life. Please turn off that song. There was a season in his life when every morning he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Every morning between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. And every time he opened the page of the Bible, the face of Jesus left those pages and entered him. And he said, Never had I seen such success in ministry like in that season. Evangelists, you want to win souls? Simple. You have to be intimate with this man that he flows out of you effortlessly. Quit settling for where you are. There is more. Let's go a step further. Number seven. Getting the blessing and the harvest are one thing. Managing it is a completely different thing. You are there saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. You have not yet learned to be faithful with what you have. Today I'm not going to rebuke those who don't give the tithe. Benji say amen. Listen. God intervened and these guys called neighbors. Who are you carrying on your journey? We don't even know who the neighbors were. 
ready are you for what God is doing? We've been talking all year about enlarging the place of your tent. How prepared are you? How strong are your tent pegs and your cords? Are you going to need neighbors to help you carry the blessing of God? Because I guarantee you, you are at that level, you're going to waste it. When they didn't call the neighbors, he served them fish. The Bible says when they were done pulling the fish to the shore, they went to where the fire was and he served them fish. There were no neighbors involved. You want to enjoy the blessing of God in your life? There are places you must learn to go alone. Jeremiah said, teach us, O God, separate the precious from the vile. May God help us to learn to manage the heavenly blessing. God's promise for you is that you will never have enough room to contain what he will release when he opens the windows of heaven. If you're a tither, that is. But God is not a waster. God is not a waster. Hebrews puts it this way. You ought to be teachers, but do you also now still need others to teach you? Mama, now the pastors have labored to teach you about strongholds. And yet you still want more sermons about strongholds. Understand this. The greatest treasure after salvation that Christ will ever give you is his word. The day you learn that. The day you learn that the secret to effect your prayer is praying in the word. Mama. You will pray. Prayer is sweet when you quote the word back to him. Apostle Raymond used to call it the title deed. When you open the Bible and say, Chinoche Chapa, this is my right and I am going to claim it. And you pick up a title deed and you say, in this scripture, I am going to find victory for my adversity. You want to understand what it means? Come boldly, read the word. And then go to pray. And base on a script. You will even shout at God. Because you feel it in your spirit. But you have to get from the place where you are. That comfortable place. I said this before, let me say it again. Number eight. Some journeys... God has called you to walk alone. On the first encounter, they called their neighbors. On the second encounter, they did not call their neighbors. Their net wasn't breaking. The boat was heavy and the fish was counted there was certainty as to what's going on here. You know what's funny is I actually believe they gave away all that fish. What were they going to do with it? 
But notice this. He finds them when they are on the verge of giving up. Cast on the right side. And they discern, the Bible says, not one of them was in doubt. Not one of them. Am I making sense? You're wondering, why am I stagnant? Then you wonder why they are gossiping about you. Because you give them what to talk about. Elisha, a man to taps him, and the man walks away. He turns and says, Mukulu, Tondeka. He goes and to make sure he is determined to not turn back. He gets all the oxen. He slaughters them. He killed the destructions. Left them feasting. So that no one can question him. Now you, when you have been believing God for a job, and they call you for an interview. I'm Sharon Labayo. Kakati, nsabe sentem meka. Uganda. And then you wonder why doors are closing. Oying is abantu musonga zonga teriba kwata ko. If you caught it in prayer, go and sustain it in prayer. If you didn't catch it in prayer. It's only a matter of time anyway. You will either get tired and frustrated or you will lose it. If you are determined to walk with the Lord, understand this. Number nine. God's plan for you exceeds, is far more glorious than you could ever dream. But you see, because we are used to seeing things in the eyes of the physical, compromise. We settle for less. If you could just unlock your spirit to believe, if you could just understand that in the spirit realm many things are settled already. Your word, oh God, is settled in the heavens. For how long? It is settled. Now you, you come and say, ha, being so bad day. Tonna saba. Change the way you pray. There are different types and dimensions of prayer. Intercession is not the same as petition. Petition is the same as thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the same as supplication. Sometimes you're saying, hey mama, ngatu sabiye, saba. And after you have prayed, do what? If the Bible does not lie, then you must believe this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
It is my testimony after 20, almost 26 years in salvation that I have never gone to the place of prayer and come back with exactly or less than I went for. Every time I look back and I say, Nasabye, katonanampulida, I have gained more than I went asking for. Much, much more. And you know what? That keeps me coming back. It keeps me coming back. When God called Abraham, well found him on the way. But he obeyed. And he built altars. And every time he did, you see, God is the greatest lover you'll ever have. Do we have PG here? I want to go X-rated now. Ah. There's a children say to veil. Let's use parents. When my son calls me and says, Daddy, buy me an aeroplane. Aeroplanes in supermarkets are really quite pointless to me. But I do not delegate that task. So far as I recall, I have never actually sent someone to buy my son a gift. Or my daughter. Every gift I have given to my children, I went, I picked it myself. Why? Because I look forward to that look on his face. When he says, Daddy, thank you. We were in Houston in, in 2019. And Mimshak's birthday came upon us. We'd been tired. We'd been traveling. So I mentioned to Pastor Noah, hey, they don't know birthday. I'm telling you. They, okay, we'll do something. But around 7 in the evening, we all realized, first wait, the day is actually God bless their hearts. I think it was Pastor Lavi who drove me. I said, we went to get a cake. We went, put a cake, put some candles on it, came, you know, just my wife, myself, Pastor Noah, Pastor Flavia, I think there was one or two people who had come as well to visit. Not really many people. Called the cafelo, sang for him, cut the cake, took pictures, what? He was so overwhelmed with emotion, he couldn't hide it. But here was the fun part. And this stayed with me in my heart forever. I will die with this memory in my heart. After the fanfare, when everyone is now moving on, I think my wife picked up the remote, I picked up a laptop, or vice versa. Pastor Flavia went to his phone, Pastor Noah was, I don't know what doing what. That boy ran to me and just fell in my hands and said, Daddy, thank you for my cake. Ah! I... You just feel that love. That cake wasn't that expensive. It was probably less than a hundred bucks. But he felt loved. And I will never forget the warmth with which he threw his arms around me and said, Thank you for my cake. Now the Bible says, If you wicked as you are, Know how to give gifts to your children. How much more? The father is sitting in heaven 
And he has this really grand plan. And the problem is that we are minding our own business. We're not catching up on him because his heart is crying and saying, "Uh uh-uh, there's more. Just a little deeper. And you know what? When that boy threw his arms around me, nothing mattered. If he had said to me, pull this house down, I probably would have tried to do it. Because I was pleased with his reaction. Think about it. How much more The truth is, I think that beyond my, myself, and I told him, go and thank so and so. Pastor Flavia, with all the loving heart, said, Bambi Muzi, let's go buy him cake. But the bond of a child, he found me and said, Thank you. Do you stop for a moment and just go and throw yourself in the arms of your loving father and say, Today I just came to say, Thank you. Because we love him, the Bible says, because he loved us first. Lesson number 10 from those two passages of scripture. Worship is the highest level of service. In both encounters, Peter reacts differently from everyone else. Peter realizes it is the Lord. He dives in the water. It is the Lord. He covers himself. Worship God. Even when things are not going well, worship God. He longs to intervene, but his interventions are not pointless. After he has comforted them from their fruitless endeavors, he calls them to go and win souls. When they are tired of being persecuted because he had been crucified. He comes and he stops for a moment. He fellowships with them. He serves them fish. He serves them breakfast after a night of labor. He is intimate with them. Then he asks Peter, Do you love me? Take your eyes off the labors that are frustrating you and fix them on the love of God. And watch Him intervene. For more information, call or WhatsApp 704 89